Welcome to the Rainbow Bull with Tim Volk from T. Volk and Company Consulting. In this podcast, Tim, a proud member of the LGBTQ community, discusses a range of topics around the five capitals of a flourishing family, human, intellectual, social, spiritual, and financial capital. Tim will use this framework as he and his guest experts delve into the secrets of the wealthy and how we might learn from them. So let's get started on this exciting adventure together. Getting older is one thing. Getting older and sick is another, especially if you need long-term care. I'm Patrice Sikora with your host, Tim Volk. You know, Tim, we can get philosophical and we can joke about aging, but when it comes to health, things can get serious real fast and people are just not planning ahead. No. I think one of the challenges we have uh, is talking about money is a very difficult topic and you know we've addressed that we had uh, we had an episode with uh, our dear friend jill shipley talking about our relationship with money and i think it goes to this deep relationship where talking about the real issues that we're facing as we get older is a difficult topic so money is difficult sex is difficult conversation um i think when you start talking about how we're going to age or, or even death you know because what if you remember my family, I started in my family enterprise and my my family business had an insurance agency, an independent insurance agency, mortgage banking operation, a real estate agency, both commercial, residential, real estate development, and some farm ranching and uh, property management. And I think I, I was asked to do lots of little things when I was younger, but my formal career started in insurance and it started in life insurance, life disability and health, and then moved into property casualty. So I spent a large part of my career in that area, which teaches you risk, it teaches you customer service, it teaches you a lot about working with families on difficult topics. And one of the most satisfying things you can have in, in life insurance is, is, you know, unfortunately when people die, if there's coverage for them, it, it does ease right. the pain to make sure that people are taken care of, that you love. So I've always been a believer in that. And I think it was a much, much more difficult relationship with my clients to be the advisor on insurance than it was in mortgage banking because buying a house is very exciting and it's a fun um, thing yeah. and it's a fun thing yeah. uh buying your real estate buying a house getting it financed all is a lot more fun than saying you're going to buy insurance on your death or sickness or disability or whatever so i think that one of the challenges we have today is is really about long-term care and long-term care is one of the things that can absolutely disrupt all financial planning at any level. And not and so for I, the person who's sick, but for the person who might be their partner. That's correct. For the family, for their yeah. spouse or their partner, for their kids, grandchildren, whoever's going to be responsible for helping to take care of it. And, you know, one of the interesting things is in cultures that have families that live together, multi-generations that live together, it's not as it's not as difficult but in the united states you know we are we are a di diverse demographic uh group and our families are spread it's not unusual you know my family's in the rocky mountain area i live in chicago so how am i going to help provide day-to-day -day care difficult yeah uh, the choice is that either we move back to colorado or 
Wyoming or we move them here with us. And I think that's probably not going to happen. So I think it's always an interesting challenge for the, for the caregivers. And, and there is coverage uh, in a lot of situations for people that are in very difficult situations. I think Medicare has a little bit of respite care in their coverage, but Medicare and health insurance do not cover long-term care. I think it's a misnomer. Um, now, so, long-term care, can you give me a definition of long-term care? Because people may think automatically it's in a nursing home, but it doesn't have to be there. Hmm. No, the 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 technical, the, the chronic illness rider, which is what we're going to talk about, or, or long-term care, it's really about the six activities of daily living that are technically defined by... Um, by most insurance companies and policies, it's also Medicare, Medicaid, all define it the same. And that is bathing, dressing, toileting, transferring, continence, and eating. Again, that's bathing, dressing, toileting, transferring, continence, and eating. Basic functions. Right. And if we're having trouble with that, any of those, uh, it's going to be a challenge for us to find care to help us. So, the precursor to that is shopping, cooking, driving. <laughs> I mean, these yeah, those aren't in there, right. but they actually lead to or from those things. Yeah. Who's going to help take care of the house or the apartment or who's going to help you? So the functions of this, I think, are, are much more pervasive and, and have a much bigger processional effect in our lives. And the caretakers suffer a lot. It's typically in long-term care, the in, in a typical uh heterosexual relationship, the wife will outlive the, the husband. Mm-hmm. And so the wife will do all they can to take care of the husband as they get sick. And if they don't get well, they pass, then the wife is actually diminished capacity dramatically because of this. That's what the studies are showing. Mm-hmm. And then who's going to care for her? Probably a daughter. Daughter. Uh, and that's what I think a lot of people recount on, but what about those of us that don't have kids? Yeah. Not just gay families, but also just our straight families that we, John and I have a lot of friends that are, uh, that don't have kids mm-hmm. and they're, and, and the, the question I always have is who's going to take care of us? Where are we going to go? Um, we had in a previous podcast with Arden O'Connor. I don't know if you remember, and I just adore her. Um, she had her specialist who leads aging in her company, and he was gracious enough to give us a bunch of statistics on the LGBTQ challenges we face. So I thought that there would be kind of three thoughts that we want to sort of tee this up with. Again, the podcast, you know, is really about what we've learned working with really wealthy families and how they've been able to use resources to solve for problems or may not have solved for the problems. We want to learn from them and how all of us could learn from that. Again, we, and we frame this within the five capitals being the human capital, which is the capital of our, of our family, the intellectual capital of the family, the social capital, the spiritual capital, the social capital is what, what is our success or our, our, our money about? What are we trying to do as a family? And the spiritual capital is what are our values set? What binds us together? What are those values that we want to pass on? And then the financial capital is to facilitate this. So of that, you know, the three key thoughts I have 
as I as we frame this today is we, we have a growing issue and it's a deep concern amongst both advisors and clients about how are we going to take care of ourselves as we get older, the long-term care needs that we have. And in a broader sense, it's just how are we going to manage our lives as we go forward. Two, the long-term care costs are ever rising to ridiculous levels. I think it's anywhere from 8,000 to 15,000 a month to be in assisted nursing, depending on what you need. Well, most people uh, can't afford that. Even some of the wealthiest families struggle with the cash flow to make that happen because typically they also have to maintain the homes or home that the family has. So it's, it's always sometimes catches everybody off guard because the liquidity issue or the money that you need at that time, you need it when you may, may not mm-hmm. be prepared for that. And third, what actions can we take today to, to address this so we can minimize that? And it's always about mitigating risk. Insurance is one of the most cost-effective ways to mitigate risk, but it requires us to have a financial awareness and planning and understand what we're doing to solve for that. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm actually glad to hear that more people are worried about it. That means they're thinking mm-hmm. about it because too many times I've heard stories from people who say, oh, I'm, I'm going to fall, you know, drop down dead and I'm not going to need long-term care. You don't know. Well, sometimes long-term care is a temporary thing. Yes. So like if you fall and you break a, a leg or break a hip or something, and then you go through care and then you get well and you're back on your feet. So it doesn't have to be a, a terminal situation. Good point. So that's sort of a difference today in how we look at this. We are living longer. Our life expectancy is longer than it used to be. I mean, there's questions about with COVID how it's diminished a little, but but I do think that the, there are um, situations where if you're healthy and active, then you're going to tend to be healthy and active and try to maintain that. My mom always says, the way we live our life and the way we take care of ourselves in our 40s and 50s dictates how we'll live in our 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I do think if you look, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have my parents. They were very young when they had me. They were 20. So, uh, you know, now they're they're just 80, 81, turning 81 this year. And I think they're very active. They're very busy. My dad still runs the family business and my mom, uh, very active in her life. She just retired from a career in real estate, but um, she's still very, very busy. So I think that one of the interesting things that I've, that sort of inspired this was we watched a show on Netflix called The Blue Zones. Have you seen this? I haven't seen it, but I read about them. Yes. And it, it's this really interesting gentleman. I'm going to summarize this for time, but essentially, if you haven't seen it, you got to see it. But it, he went around the world, went around the globe after a very uh, sort of a adventurous lifestyle. You know, he biked around the world. The first guy to world Guinness Book of Records of biking around the world wanted to decide, decide to take and be a more meaningful purpose in his life was to help understand those for example, the the areas in the world where people are average 80 to 90% of the population lives over 100. And there are these five blue zones. And it's interesting because one of the areas that are common amongst them is a sense of community and taking care of each other. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, these are multi-generation families still living together. They're typically in a smaller community. They're not in metropolitan areas, although there are some, one of them is Loma Linda, California, believe it or not. 
And it's because really? of the home of the Seventh Day Adventist, Adventist Church, because the church, the oh. teachings of that, I think it's a Methodist uh, part of the Methodist Church, is um, wellness, right. food, a lot of vegetarians, a lot of fish, pescatarians, a lot of exercise. And it's interesting that activity level, but also a very strong sense of community to help each other. Hmm. So I'm thinking in the back of my mind, okay, well, helping each other, that's an important part. And and you guys have to watch this. And then the the guy is so worried because the, these these blue zones that he's discovered 10 or 11 years ago are disappearing. And so what he's doing now is recreating them here in the United States. He took a small town in Southern Minnesota and they've adopted the blue zone mentality and they're all working now. They work out together. They're creating a sense of community. It is cool. Patrice, it's cool shit. You're going to love it. I don't want to move to Minnesota. So you may remember when we had Arden O'Connor on and Sam Van Calkeren, who is her director of aging, and he was able to share with us some really interesting statistics as it relates to the gay community. Because if if 10% of the population in the United States has some sort of LGBTQ+, and, and let's just go with it for the math. It's easy for me to do the 10% of 300 million is 30 million. It's a pretty big population. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just 25 million, it's a pretty big population. And it's an example also that I want to remind everybody that the stats right now are, I believe, that over 50% of the women in this country are living singly. Okay, so this is where I'm kind of going, as you see. Okay, if we have a large population that's singly living or living without children, then I think, and then we have these statistics about the LGBT. TQ older adults are twice as likely to live alone and four times as likely not to have kids, making it more difficult to age successfully in their homes and community. We know that staying in your home, aging in place is one of the most powerful things we can help people do. 53% of LGBTQ older people report feeling isolated from others. 50% of all Americans living with HIV are over 50 years old today. 70% of LGBTQ elders fear having to recloset themselves when seeking elder housing for fear of discrimination. The fear of someone being accepted, understood, or mistreated is very high. In 2016, 78% of LGBTQ residents in nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and long-term care facilities responded no or not sure when asked if they felt comfortable about their sexual orientation or gender identity to faculty staff, the facility staff. It's 2016. Do you think it's changed at all, Tim? I think it's gotten worse. Oh. I think with um, the Trump presidency, for some reason, an unleashed uh, authorization to hate. And I don't know why. I mean, it, 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 he didn't cause it. it. I think it's just it, it just like gave a like an approval of it so people can behave badly. And I just think that they're, we're losing a sense of decorum and, and, and respect for each other for who we are. But furthermore, go ahead. Just quickly, I heard yeah. a BBC story this morning about mm-hmm. a researcher who believes that homo sapiens are losing the ability to trust and cooperate. Yeah, I would agree that there, I think there's a uh, there's a really cool new organization called the New Pluralists, and it's a group of very wealthy families, both from the right and left, politically, 
that have seen that their initiatives are divisive and have created a real division in the country. And they are coming together now collectively to try and figure out how to repair that. It is really cool. So I'm, uh, you could say your glass is half empty, half full. I'm a half full guy. I think that that we in America, I think Americans are some of the most innovative people in the world. We can fix this. We can't. We just have to get to that point where we want to fix it. Mm-hmm. So experts familiar with long-term care facilities for older adults have said that many private elder care facilities can get around the state LGBTQ non-discrimination laws by claiming other reasons for turning down an LGBTQ person. There, We cited case law. We talked about that in the previous podcast. And a recent survey of the 649 LGBTQ elders was undertaken by six organizations seeking to understand better experience of LGBTQ older adults in long-term care settings. And they were asked what issues they feel LGBTQ older adults face or might face if open about their sexual orientation or gender identity. 89% predicted the staff would discriminate against on uh, an LGBTQ older elder who was out of the closet. 81% also thought that other residents would discriminate uh, and isolate them. 53% predicted that staff would abuse or reject them. And I think the last stat is... 43% recorded 853 in, instances of mistreatment. Wow, I feel like a tongue twister today. Of those who reported instances of mistreatment, 125 were LGBTQ older adults. So what I what I think is we're not set up to take care of our elder LGBTQ members. It also means, and I'm going to interpolate this, so I'm making a wag, you know, kind of a wild-ass guess that I believe that there are other people of color or who feel different that would not feel comfortable as well. Hey, hey, sorry for the interruption. Look, I know you're listening to the Rainbow Bull podcast, and I'm really happy you're here. But if you have any questions or issues you'd like to have us discuss with the experts, please email them to us at tim.volk at tvolkco.com. We would love to hear from you. I think that's a fair assumption. I think that there's a fear factor in going into uh, assisted care anyway. So, okay, so then what do we do? What? How can we solve this? So, I reactivated all my insurance licenses because when I was working with my friend Vaughn Scott in Axiom in Louisville area, we started an insurance agency and I got reacquainted with all of what's happened in insurance and these cool new products have evolved. So as I told you before, we had the viatical settlement, we had the chronic illness. Well, today, rather than, you know, a lot of people think that Medicare is going to cover them. I'm going to repeat, Medicare does not cover long-term care. Medicare will cover rehab, but it has to be contiguous with the hospital stay. And so it's there's some very specific rules and, and it works well, but it's only 20 to 30 days. And then you have some lifetime days for for rehab. But but long-term care is really much more about the daily living, like helping you with the daily living. Now, if we could figure out a way to stay in place, mm-hmm. that would be great. And I think we 
we can use health, you know, we use health insurance and we use private and Medicare. We have supplements of Medicare for, you know, the precursor to long-term care, but it is not long-term care. And I repeated that a couple of times because I think several of my friends keep saying, well, my health insurance will take care of it. No. Well, Medicare will take care of it. No. So, but standalone long-term care insurance has been around for a while. So you can buy long-term care coverage that will either, it's on two types of coverage. One is called reimbursement and the other is called indemnity. Reimbursement means you pay the bill and then you apply for reimbursement. It's a very arduous process. Several of my friends have done that with their parents. It is not pretty. But it, they did get the money eventually. Two is indemnity. Indemnity means you just call for the money and they pay the bill. So you can call for whatever amount you need to pay for the bills, and that is where you're going to get the money. And an indemnity, ideally, is like if you wanted to hire your neighbor's daughter next door because she's going, she loves to cook, and she comes over and cooks for you several times a day and makes your meals, and she's going to help you get dressed uh, or something, then, then as long as you trigger two of the ADLs, the activities in daily living, then you have uh, coverage with long-term care. But it's very expensive, and today the coverage is limited. A lot of companies got out of the business because they lost a lot of money on these policies because it's it, there weren't enough people buying it to what was being spent. And you know, you either use it or you lose it. So if you don't use it, you've spent all the money, and that's it. There's nothing to get. There's no value in it. What we're going to talk about today is the universal life coverage that has a long-term care or chronic rider, chronic illness rider. And it's an evolution out of the AIDS epidemic that I talked about. Hmm. And it's evolved today where as long as you trigger two of the ADLs, you can draw up to $12,755 a month tax-free off your death benefit. Not the cash value, the death benefit. So if you have a million-dollar policy, you'll have a million dollars in long-term care coverage. Now, most long-term care lasts three to four years. So just keep that in mind. Most people that need long-term care, it's typically a three to four year period they're in long-term care, but it typically doesn't exceed five. Okay. And if you're in a moderate facility, and it's, let's say, 10000 a month just because it's easy to do the math. And you're 12 months in, that's 120000 a year. If you're there five years, it's $600,000. So why do I think this is a good idea? Well, you can get the reimbursement or you can get indemnity. I like indemnity. So the policies I like to recommend to my clients and to the advisors that I work with is indemnity. Do you have to choose that option when yes. You well, policy. you choose the company. The company's policy either offers indemnity or they offer it through reimbursement. Um, not every company offers this program. And one of the things that's nice is that some of the products, if you're under 50 years old, you, we even have a couple companies that offer disability insurance on the life insurance now as a rider. Hmm. So you can get long-term care coverage, and you can get disability coverage in your life insurance policy. Now, why is life insurance, why is it a benefit? 
Life insurance on, on universal life has cash value. So there's a value to the policy. It becomes an asset. And over time, it grows. The cash value or the, the value of the policy grows and it grows tax deferred. It's interesting because I remind people that the death benefits are tax-free. Hmm. Now, why would people need life insurance? You say, well, I'm, I don't have any kids. Why would I need life insurance? Well, we don't always know what we've incurred in life, what we need to leave in our estate to pay for things that we may have as debt uh, into whoever we're going to leave it to, to leave it cash, you know, debt-free. But it also, typically, we're going to have someone we love or, or several people or love or friends that we want to help. And some of my friends have done this quietly where they don't know that, the, that they've been, you know, been made benefit beneficiary of a policy. But typically, insurance is designed to provide liquidity when you least expect it or when you may or may not have liquidity to do that. Uh, the cash value in the policy is also protected. It's something that can't be attached by creditors. And uh, it gives you a sort of an emergency fund of cash if you ever needed to borrow it or cash it out. So I like those features. And again, I think if you don't need the long-term care and you have this hybrid uh, long-term care coverage and a life insurance policy, there's value to it. So after 25 years, the companies I like to work with will give you a guarantee return of premium. So if you've spent 200,000 over 25 years, you're going to get a 200,000 that you can get back out of the policy. Wow. Now, did you want to cash it out? Because the policy is still in effect. It's still there for you. So it's really great. If you're under 65 or under 70 today, we can still get you this policy. Ideally in your 40s and 50s, it's great. But if you think about the arbitrage here, you're either going to spend $12,000 a year on a policy or you're going to spend $12,000 a month out of your savings. Now, I don't know what it'll be in the future. I mean, I'm sure it's not going to go down. So, you know, and we want to keep you in home. So obviously having in-home care is going to be a more effective way to do that. And it's going to be less likely that you're going to have this conflict of not being, especially if you're LGBTQ, of finding a place to be comfortable. So I think this provides a really unique opportunity. I'm also involved with another organization called the Legacy Project, which is just getting off the ground. That's under the SAGE umbrella, you know, the, the group that helps our aging population, our gay aging population. The SAGE is being gracious and helping us. We're nurturing a fundraising vehicle for families, gay families or LGBTQ families and our allies who want to leave their estate, uh, a part of their estate to a gay charity or an LGBTQ cause. And this is sort of an umbrella group that will help facilitate that. And then we will support over the 150 or 200 uh, LGBTQ nonprofits in the country that are sort of all supporting this effort. So we're trying to help families identify if they have excess in their estate and they want to give it away that we can help facilitate that as well. And life insurance provides that liquidity 
uh, depending on what's going on, because we never know what our investment portfolio is going to be doing. A lot of very sophisticated investors will invest in private equity or direct investment in, for example, if we invest in real estate, there's a long cycle and you can't easily get out of it. We can't get out of the investment. If we need liquidity, there's nothing you could do. You could try to sell your investment at a discount to somebody, which there are people that do that. But ideally, you know, we're wanting to provide um, a liquidity at the time that somebody's sick or, or dying. Uh, we, we never really know when that's going to happen. I, if I did, I could plan even better. That's called a crystal ball. Oh, yeah. Do you have that? Uh, no. Actually, even if I did, wouldn't make any difference. I wouldn't know how to use it. A quick question, though, Tim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Under the legacy, is it a foundation you were talking about? Not yet. Okay, this not is yet. all the exploratory committee. But I think what will happen is there are several major foundations in the country, and that may be a perfect vehicle for this, but um, well, we're still in people, the process of identifying that. People listening right now, if they mm-hmm. wanted to to do what you were talking about, uh, earmark their their estate estate for mm-hmm. um you know lgbtq elders mm-hmm. is there any way they can do that yes we have ways to do that and and i just have I, i'd encourage them to reach out to me direct and to and i will actually connect them to the right uh group that are doing it currently and it's a it's a very thoughtful group of people that are involved that have been in development uh volunteer like i have for many years the You know, I, I I like to think we're making progress. Um, we're we're struggling in in trying to coordinate and being able to support the need right now. As I think, in mm-hmm. philanthropy, it's always the case. There's always more need than there are the resources, money, people, time to solve for the. But I just think that in particular, this is a unique problem that is not well known. And again, because we don't want to talk about getting old or dying or getting sick, you don't, you know, you don't have this at a dinner party unless you want to really have a killer downer of the dinner party. The trifecta there. Trifecta. Jesus. People leave early and like, oh, thanks for the dinner. It's been great. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Um, But anyway, if we focus on looking forward and not back, um, we can access these policies even into our 60s. Uh, we want to develop solutions and address these issues. I think there's another side of this that uh, we mentioned on the podcast last time, which is how do we create a sense of community around this? Is there a way that we can share resources and create almost like a communal situation? And I think the gay community is probably better poised than anybody to try and figure that out because, you know, we kind of have gay centers around the country. You know, I, John and I live in Chicago. We live very close to what's called Boys Town. Uh, it's one of the main gay areas in Chicago. There's Andersonville north of us. There are, you know, I think most of the major metropolitan areas have sort of little gay meccas inside or a congregation of the LGBTQ community. And maybe it's around the community centers. I don't know. But if we were in a smaller community and you could buy some real estate where you could have uh, a condo building or or I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm spitballing here, but if you could have a way to create 
uh, people that could live in close proximity and then share resources like cooks or cleaning and drivers or sh- people to go to the store together, help each other. And, and, and typically we're not all going to be sick at the same time. So like if you're not able to get out of bed today because you're not feeling well um, and you're suffering from breast cancer, uh, I'm going to go shopping for you. You know, and so how do we create that support network? And so I keep thinking in my mind that that's uh, an important part of it. But we can solve for this. And I sound like I'm hyping a product, don't I? But I, I oh. kind of am. I mean, I kind of. You're, you're, I think you're you're emphasizing a problem and possible solutions for it. And if this product is a partial solution. Why not yeah. talk about yeah. it? It's a it's a way to mitigate the risk. It's a way to bring peace of mind because I think, and this is what I'm in the process of buying mine, and that is to have this as a way to say, okay, I have some coverage for my long-term care and it also has other value in it. It's an asset. It's growing tax deferred. It's stable. It provides some other liquidity that we may need. I'm going to be able to take care of those people around me if I may, if I do pass. And um, so I think that's kind of a cool thing. Um, and I think it's a cost-effective way to do this today. Uh, so, but I, and not everybody feels that way. And I understand that there's also term insurance that you can, there, I think we do have a term policy that actually has some long-term care chronic rider ability if people are really stretched financially and they still want some coverage to it i think there's another way for us to access that and i'm happy to explore that but um and i've teamed up with a couple of friends of mine that have been in the business a very long time and they're excited because you know between the two of us we we make a great group advising our clients and our families and and, and their advisors so i like that part the uh it's kind of satisfying. I, one of the things I like about financial planning, and I think you got that a little bit from Ben a couple of weeks ago, is that there's a great satisfaction in helping other people find some peace of mind. Mm-hmm. I can see that in you. Uh, um, my life has been blessed in so many ways, and I've had some incredible mentors uh, and I've had a very unusual career and then I've had this broad exposure to financial services for the sort of from A to Z. And uh, there are parts of it that I think are really important today for us to be able to come back to and use. And in financial planning, insurance is a is a core part of that to make sure that we're protected wherever we can. I mean, it's like cars, right? You, you have a car, you spend a lot of money on a car, you buy a $50,000 car and and then are you not going to insure it? Well, you have to buy liability, but you don't have to actually insure the car itself. You could self-insure it, but would you? I mean, very few people I know do that. And and actually, if you're talking about self-insurance for healthcare, give me a break. Oh my you goodness! Can't do that. It's ridiculous yeah. money. And so, the, the even some of the wealthiest people that we've worked with all try to to mitigate this. Yeah. And it's a it's a it's a cost benefit uh, analysis, and but I think for most people in the world, uh, that there is you know we don't have that luxury uh, of that extreme. But I, I I think the concept is is very important here, and it also protects those people around us that are trying to take care of us. 
because it gives them relief. If you can bring outside people in to help you and you can pay them, and if you can call for $12,000 or $12,755 a month, that covers a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't cause any tax consequence for the people. So anyway, um, I don't know, Patrice, what do you think? What did I not, what did I miss? Anything well, else? I think the only thing you missed right now is how people can reach you because I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are sitting up and saying, yeah, okay, I better talk about that trifecta. What is it? Insurance, death, and miss something else there. Sickness. <laughs> Sickness. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, well, yeah. Call Tim and get really very upbeat up, up conversation. This. Yeah. I'll take you for a cocktail. We'll talk about it. Um, but long term no, care insurance. Yeah. How can they reach you? Long term care. So, again, uh, tim.volk at tvolco.com. Uh, T. Volk and Company is my consulting practice that is behind this wonderful podcast that we have with Proudmouth and the great team we have there. And uh, my phone number is 312-636-5855. And, you know, I'm happy to connect people. If you're not comfortable working with me, I'll help you find the right people that you are comfortable with. And and I just am honored to be um, able to talk about this, share my experience and get excited about sort of, sort of an odd thing. And at the same time, um, Hopefully, I'm spurring some thought yeah. in our listeners. So you can solve for this. It's not that bad to talk about. We are going to get old. And uh, I don't want people to freak out that they don't have somebody to help them because there's ways to do that. And and in, in a bigger sense, I think we as a community can come together to come up with solving some, some bigger issues and how we can support each other. And you are therefore tasked with that responsibility right now. Yeah. Listen, folks. Follow this podcast. You don't want to miss an episode. Share it with others. Contact him and, you know, share with him. I'm Patrice Sikora, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Rainbow Bull Podcast. Visit our website at www.tvolco.com or give us a call at 312-636-5855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of T. Volk and Company Consulting. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.